Welcome to Whitefields Church Podcast. Our focus is to help you grow relationally, emotionally, and spiritually. I hope you enjoy the message. Praise God for his faithfulness. I look at a lot of people that came before me, I consider them pillars of faith in my life, you know, like Pastor Peter, Pastor Sid, Pastor Mark, and, you know, and I just honored that I have people like that in my life, and I'm always praying, I'm like, Lord, I need him around, like my dad as well, you know, so, um, so I can pass down a legacy, you know, speaking of legacy, my, my son Ryan, I just have to talk about it, because it just so encourages me, but he, he does these little notes for me, randomly, we'll stick him like on my office door, he was like, best dad in the world, and he just handed me this morning, he's like, he gave me an envelope and says, from Ryan to Vic. <laughs> like, it doesn't say to dad. <laughs> so official, you know. And one side, it um, says, best dad in the world. He's got a heart. And then, and then he drew a, a stick figure. And, then, and I'm like, these circles. And, and he put muscle. <laughs> so I'm just so thankful uh, for that. And then on the other side, it's like a gold medal, like first, you know. So I'm just, I, I got to tell you, it's just it, in order for uh, a lot of times the Lord would just, it's incredible that how your children, you know, are inspiring you. And, and it makes you think about the legacies being passed down. Because I don't know, I can do as best as I could, but you know, they will ultimately make decisions on their own. So anyways, I'm just encouraged by that. Ah, praise God. So I want to open up with 1 Corinthians. I'm going to read the two passages, and then later it will come, up, come together. First, 1 Corinthians 10, 1 through 5. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud and all passed through the sea, and all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and in the sea. And all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them, and the rock was Christ. Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. And then further down, same chapter, verse 13, 1 Corinthians uh, 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful. Shout about the part that you believe. God is faithful. God is faithful. Yes, he is. This next part, verse, gets a little harder to shout about. It says, he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. But it says beyond your ability. But, and here comes the amazing part. With temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. That you may be able to endure it. Come on. Hallelujah. So the title of my message is The Way of Escape. Father God, we just thank you for your word. I just pray that you illuminate it for us, Lord God. And just do what you have to do, Lord. To speak to us, to transform us so that we will never be the same again. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. See, when I read that word temptation in that verse, probably hundreds of things came to mind. Uh, Depending on what stage of life you are in, there's always temptations. And uh, the scripture might hit a tender spot for some of us and that's okay because uh, we can trust God where he applies the pressure right this is a I want to say a surgical incision by Apostle Paul uh, dealing with church in Corinth where he says 
God will not let temptation exceed your ability to withstand it. And along with the temptation, God will provide a way out. How awesome is that, right? After one of our youth groups, uh, I was thinking about the temptations that I faced when I was younger uh, because things have changed so much uh, since I was their age. Um, And I'm thinking, wow, they must be facing a lot more temptations than what I'm facing, you know, over us that are over 30. And yet, and yet, in this text that we just read, Paul says, there's really new temptation. There's nothing you're fighting against right now that somebody didn't already fight against. That ought to take away some of the shame or feeling unworthiness. Like if you were here, you're like, yeah, I'm not worthy to be in the presence of God or being in church, you know. Shame off you. <laughs> yeah, that's one of the titles of my messages previously. Shame off you, right? But this is, um, if what Paul has said is true, that there's no new temptation that has overtaken you except what is common to mankind, that means if you're struggling a little bit different than a, a person who is a few seeds down the road from you, right? They need that same grace to be saved. And you don't have to be ashamed for your need for grace, all right? And yet, when we are tempted, we often think, I'm the only one experiencing loneliness this way. I'm the only one that deals with these thoughts. Anybody? You allow these things, right? And Paul says, no, it's common. You're not really that special. (laughs) Satan didn't just come up with a whole new temptation for you, right? Same temptations, and it's the same grace that was available to me as a teenager when my biggest temptations were AOL Messenger. Anybody remember? (laughs) Chat rooms. It's the same grace that is available for Snapchat, Instagram. We don't have many teenagers here right now, but uh, they're working. That's amazing. But temptation is not generational, okay? Temptation is universal. Uh, It's the same substance, just I want to say a different rapper, okay? Uh, The only thing that has changed about temptation is that uh, the delivery system, right? A lot of things just have changed, but technically it's the same, right? So I want you to know that you're really not alone, okay? Uh, This is an encouraging message. Now, although this can hit you in the spot, but I receive that because I think this message, I kind of wish I had heard that when I was younger. So you're not alone. You're not weird. You're not missing any parts, all right? Um, You have everything you need to accomplish what God has purposed for you in your life, all right? You have everything you need to overcome any temptation that can come your way. That's what the scripture tells us, okay? Paul says there's nothing new. So it's same old stuff they were dealing with in Corinth. And Corinth church was wild. I mean, if you're reading the scripture, <laughs> they, would, they would come in for a communion and get drunk on wine. <laughs> That's why we don't put the real wine for the communion cups. Yeah, we just don't trust you. <laughs> it's grape juice pre-fermented it's Welch's Um, but we often think that there was like this pristine holy time and I'll be honest with you you heard people say we need to go back to the church of that day you know of the uh, of Corinth and I'm like man I didn't say the rest of this stuff but they would do some interesting crazy wild things but um, the thing is it's different manifestations but it's the same temptations right and now we have to be careful because we'll start judging someone uh, for their temptation because it has a different flavor than ours, right? 
Well, I just don't see how they could. Um, I've, I've said that before myself about somebody, and then I failed in that same area. <laughs> um, maybe they don't see how you could, right? Paul wants us to know that there's nothing new. And I've learned this, that the temptations I'm facing now as I, I approach 40, man, I used to think if you were 30, you're old. <laughs> um, but the temptations I'm facing now, you know, are the same temptation I was facing uh, when I was 14. I want to call it like same devils but new levels, right? Um, but the way I deal with temptations in future has a lot to do with how I deal with temptations now, okay? And that's why I said I wish I've heard a lot of this earlier in my life. <laughs> when temptation comes, what happens is we devise uh, for ourselves a way of escape. Early in life, we start managing the pressure to escape that pain. Uh, some ways are innocent enough. Other ways are destructive. We, we know about that. Most of the ways are somewhere in between. But all of us find ways of escape. Um, it's one thing to be trapped in a situation, right? I hope this is not one of those. <laughs> like, so much stuff. And it's intense today, Lord. Um, so I hope this is not one of those. But... It's one thing to be trapped in a situation, but it's another thing to be trapped in yourself, right? Uh, pattern of behavior, uh, where you feel like you're hostage to your habits, to your addictions, which forced you to live in a lower standard than what God has made you to be uh, walking in, right? So this could be a situation that you got yourself into, and that's what happens often. <laughs> Just, it's like, Lord, it's my own mess. And now I need a way out. And... Um, from the consequences that I possibly made years ago. So this message hits all across the board for every age, right? Uh, this is nothing new. God's people always needed a way out. And it's the same story that retells just itself time and time again, right? So uh, what we read in the beginning, right? First, uh, First Corinthians 10.1, and then we later read First Corinthians 10.13, well, the first part of the verse, it gives the meaning to the 10.13 because in order for Paul to show them that there's nothing new under the sun that they're facing, right? God is greater than that situation, that he's greater than your sin. He's greater than that thing that has a hold of you, amen? So Paul takes them all the way back to Egypt. This is why the context behind it, right? The Exodus story, and I want to talk about this a little bit of history here, the Exodus uh, story was critical to the heritage of Israelites, God's people, right? Because it was in the Egypt that they escaped from. They, went, they escaped to Egypt from famine. If we look at original story, right? Jacob, remember the Jacob? And he had the son Joseph who went and became, you know, prince of, Joseph, uh, of Egypt and then later brought his dad. So when the famine hit Canaan, God had Joseph positioned in Egypt. <laughs> Isn't that awesome? Uh, how many know God always has someone positioned to meet God's needs? Amen? God always has somebody positioned to meet his needs. With the election coming up, I better, I hope we believe that, right? It's election year. God's going to take care of us, though. God's got it, right? God is always on the throne. And that is true about every area of our life. So anyways, that was just a plug. When they started uh, starving in Canaan... Joseph brings his dad to Egypt, and then God has given favor in the midst of the famine. All right, sometimes what feels like famine 
is actually God's favor in our life. I like to say that a lot. They quote it like Romans 8.28 where it says all things work together for good. It doesn't make sense until you, after you've been through that situation, right? So this 130-year-old Joseph's father, right, had to relocate himself and his whole gang, his whole clan, right, not to South Florida, <laughs> but to Egypt. So, I mean, if you think about it, right, just a foreign place. He didn't know Pharaoh, but Pharaoh knew Joseph. And I love that, just to be able to understand that God has his things taken care of for his people. He's always provided a way out, right? And so Jacob not only got to move to Egypt, but they, he, he got to move to Goshen. If you study the history of Goshen, it's like Martha's Vineyard of America. I don't know. Like just a, it's a premium place for elites to live. Goshen was a place for I don't know if you want to remember, Kentucky Fried Quail. God, Goshen was a place where you got to eat off the fat of the land. That's what the scripture says, right? And for seven years of famine, while others were starving in a, a different areas, Jacob's family, the house of Jacob, got to eat good, right? So Goshen was a place of provision, but for a little while. Until one day, the scripture says that new Pharaoh arose in Egypt. That's in Exodus 1.8. You don't need to bring that up. Until one day, the Bible says the new Pharaoh arose in Egypt that knew not Joseph. Um, in other words, like just Pharaohs have changed and many of them honored in between. So it wasn't just the next one, right? But it says when Joseph died, Pharaohs changed. And so all of a sudden, long story short, the place where they escaped to became a place where they were enslaved in. All right? So sometimes the place you go to escape will become a place where you're enslaved. I'm going to break it down. <laughs> it's a real life situation. For example, it may be a place where you're escaping for survival, right? You escaped one relationship uh, that is not good for you. And you know it's bad for you, but you're so lonely. So you'd rather live by yourself where you're feeling like, you know, you, rather than living by yourself where you feel like you're dying, you would rather join up with someone who's walking in the wrong direction as you, even though you know that it's bad for you, but you'd rather walk in the wrong direction rather than walk in the right direction alone, okay? That's just an example. Uh, some of the things that we've learned to medicate with have later became masters over us. You know, whatever you trust becomes a master of you, yeah. right? So, but they didn't start as masters. Often they started like medicine. For example, so you take one pill, then you go to the second, uh, to just to deal with, first you start like, to deal with everyday life, whatever it may be. I'm just going to bring a couple of examples. Then it goes to two, then three, and all of a sudden you're enslaved by something that you escape to. All right? So this is not just true about substances. Uh, this can be true about sexual things, right? But the danger of Egypt is that it can feed your quail one day, but will whip you the next day, Right? And so in a place where you escape to becomes a place where you're trapped. Thank you, Holy Spirit. I know this is heavy, but I believe that the Lord is speaking to you right now, to all of us. I feel the chain-breaking anointing in this place. All right? There is a need that Egypt fit, uh, meets, right? I, I previously said that. Sins with benefits. <laughs> if sins didn't, you know, if, if it didn't do anything, it wouldn't be so popular, Right? So there's a longing that is fulfilled when I go outside of God 
to meet a God-given need. All right? It works. That's the problem. It works for a little while, but until it gets old, until it fries your neurological pathways, right? And now you're chasing what is destroying you. You know, one thing after another, and it just gets deeper and deeper. And you try to find a way out, right? And so I'm, like I said, I'm speaking this from my heart, dealing with my own ways of escape, and I had to find a way out. So this is, I believe, Holy Spirit, help me bring this to your people. So Paul says, you have to go all the way back to Egypt. Look at 1 Corinthians 10.1 again. For I do not want you to be unaware, brothers, that our fathers were all under the cloud. It's the same stuff, right? And all passed through the sea. Remember uh, the Red Sea that God brought people through, right? And he brought them through. Has God ever brought any, any of you through? Uh, and I don't mean just a headache, right? I mean, that was Tylenol. I mean, like, it was deep. It was a pit. Like, it was darkness. It was depression. It was, it was a mistake that you've made. It was a mess that you made. But God brought you through, right? God brought you through. A matter of fact, I just, it's, he didn't just bring you out. He brought you through it. I want to point that out, Right? I had to go through the valley of the shadow of death to understand that it's just a shadow, right? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He prepares the table before me in the presence of my enemies. But the only way to that table is through the valley. You know, we try to oftentimes to work around the situation. And I'm not talking about that you have to sin. I'm not talking specific about this is any situation. We hit a difficult situation and we try to set up all these workarounds, Right? But God is able, God is so sovereign, he's able to work through that situation. And then later we're like, wow, Lord, you brought me through this sea of just worry and pain. And I never thought I'd end up on the other side, right? And that's what God did for his people at the Red Sea. God's people have been standing in front of things, stuff that didn't think they could make it through for a very long time, right? But God brought them through it. He brought them through it. He brought you through it. Amen. You're here right now because he brought you through it. Amen. I'm a testament because he has brought me through it. Church, it's just so amazing to understand that God is so mighty, so incredible that despite my mistakes, he can operate, he can turn it around and bring it and bring glory to his name. Amen. Hallelujah. Yeah. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you, Pastor Peter. All these ways of escape that we create for ourselves, right? Since I can't be happy, why don't I just take a picture and post like I am? Yeah. yeah. We, we offer the unoffendable heart class. <laughs> Thank you, Lewis. In case that hits a little deep. But um, same cloud, same sea, but same grace. And the same grace that was available... If you are facing a sea of temptation, it says no temptation has overtaken you. That is not common. Now, I want to point this out. This is interesting language because it says overtaken you, right? Because to say something has overtaken you acknowledges that it's stronger than you, right? So there's something stronger in me that is working against me. And every one of us know exactly what that is in their own life, right? You know exactly what you escape to. 
when things get hard. And if it's not drugs, some escape with pharmaceuticals, some people do it with food, right? If it's not drugs, it could be donuts. I mean, temptation is a funny word. And um, if we start making a list, we'll start uh, listing everything that we don't struggle with, right? And shout about that. <laughs> so blame, for example, here's another one, right? It could be a way of escape. Blame will get you out of taking responsibility, like you just start blaming them. We've heard last week Robert talked about it in the Garden of Eden, right? That was when the blame started right away. So the only problem is it gives the keys to your freedom to whoever you're blaming for that situation. Because guess what? You fail, <laughs> that blame is coming back to you again. You know what I mean? If you've heard this popular phrase, they said when you're pointing at somebody, be careful because how many fingers are pointing back at you, right? Classic, right? Um, what about realism? I think that's the word that I'm looking for. It could be a way of escape. So, you know how people say, expect the worst, so I'm not surprised. So, you put your faith in reverse and call it realism, right? It's like you're working backwards. So, who am I escaping to when I'm trapped? Because whatever I trust will become my master. Okay, so who is my master? That is the question today for all of us. And the sad part about this going through the sea is that after all the miracles that God has done for you, if you think about th for all the people, for example, what we just read, after the way he saved the Israelites, you know, through everything, like just miracle after miracle, you know, and they wanted to go back. You know, we can blame Israel, but we do exact same thing. It's like, Lord has showed us Time and time again that he can lead you through this. He's so amazing, one thing after another. But there's something inside of us that just like, eh, I want to go back. Let me bring that up again. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, let's do verse 2 through 5. And all were baptized into Moses in the cloud and the sea, and all ate the same spiritual food, and all drank the same spiritual drink. For they drank from the spiritual rock that followed them. The rock was Christ. Nevertheless... Nevertheless, with most of them, God was not pleased, for they were overthrown in wilderness. So that's where the battle is. This is where my next point is. It's in the wilderness. If you think about it, even Jesus had to go through the wilderness. Now, what you do in the wilderness determines if you stay enslaved or you move forward in freedom. I believe this message really is just going to help you with that to understand that. We don't pass through wilderness just once in our lifetime. All right? It's not just when you lost someone or you lost your first job. Wilderness can come to us at any given day. Like, seriously. I asked Michael this morning, how was your week? And I'm like, you know what? I take it back. Because <laughs> that, if you ask me, that can change within the, you know, hours. Yeah. Monday is milk and honey and Tuesday is Canaanites, Hittites, parasites, cellulites. Termites, I can't even think of any more mites. <laughs> so when Israelites went into wilderness, they grumbled, right? They wanted a way out. They really did. And God is just trying to pull them out. And God, I like to say that frequently too, God can't place something in your hands where your hands are occupied, right? It's just like, ah, but I like it. I haven't really, I, I still like my little sin, right? And God is like, I'm trying to pull you guys out, but it's like you could see that 
that could not happen until they had to let go, right? So, because if you think about it, they were like, well, at least we can eat in Egypt. They were talking about, oh, the fresh cucumbers and everything. And they were just talking about all this stuff. Never mind the fact that they got whipped for it and were given like, hey, you have to make bricks but without a straw, things like that, right? And they just still wanted to go back but to their wrong master. Hey, at least they, he feeds us. At least it works for a little while, right? And the scripture says, so they died in the wilderness. It wasn't until the next generation, right, that got into the promised land. So they died in the place of no water, no worship, okay? And a lot of times the water resembles worship, you know, presence of God. They died in the place. They had no perspective. They could not break the old to see the new, okay? Look at this, Hebrews chapter 4, 14 through 16. Therefore, since we have a great high priest who has ascended into heaven, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold firmly to the faith we profess. For we do not have the high priest who is unable to emphasize, uh, empathize with our weakness, but we have one who has been tempted in every way, just as we are, yet he did not sin. Let us then approach God's throne of grace with confidence. So if you're saying, hey, you failed, like this is not true, blah, blah, blah. Jesus like, hey, this scripture specifically says Jesus was tempted. But I love this. It says, let us then approach God's throne with grace and confidence, right? So that we may receive mercy and find grace to help us in a time of need. Come on. Hallelujah. Yes. Lord Jesus, thank you for that. Yeah, I think about this. How many times do I let thoughts through through my head? Like I've caught myself where I'm like, that just thought, you know. And those thoughts just start flying around in us like, you know, just like a kite. I've heard this recently. One of the pastors, somebody sent it to me. And he's talking about you let your thoughts fly around like a kite. And we're not taking any thought captive. We're not actually using our true weapons of warfare that are mighty in God, right? We're not casting down anything. We're not breaking down anything. Not, we're not demolishing anything in our thought realm. We're just allowing them to build up, right? We're not discerning the spirit. We're not, and we're just stuck in this holding pattern, 2020, 2021, you know, 2023. Oh, 2024 is coming. New year, new me, right? <laughs> New Year isn't going to give you anything. It's just a date. The same devil that was there in 2023 will be standing there with a crowbar by your window in 2024. Right? We do actually need to start applying the weapons of warfare that were given to us. So we are given that. Amen? Hallelujah. So next time you think you don't have what it takes, you do have what it takes. Jesus was tempted in every way, and he says, you have the power. It's time to live in dominion, not defeat. Come on, right? Here's a hard truth, but it's an encouraging one in Hebrews 4.15. For we do not have high priest who is unable to empathize, right? It just, it, we, we just read it. With our weakness, we have the one who has been tempted, yet he did not sin. So that is your encouraging message, right? He was, he was perfect. Jesus was perfect in the ways that we will never be. Let's admit that. But guess where he went to prove his perfection? Well, obviously, no. Matthew, let's go to Matthew in chapter 4. I'm going to skim through it for the sake of time. Matthew chapter 4, verse 1. It says, Then Jesus will let up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. Interesting 
right? Because, you know, we pray the Lord's Prayer, how Jesus taught us, our Father in heaven, how be your name, that kingdom come, that will be done on earth, this, and, 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 right? And it says, and lead us not into temptation. And lead us not into, but why is God leading Jesus into wilderness to be tempted by the devil? Why did Jesus have to become incarnate, right? Which means word made flesh. Why did he have to take a form of human weakness? Because we just read, right, what happens in the wilderness. In 1 Corinthians 10, 50, he says, they were overthrown in the wilderness. But then when Jesus comes in the scene, which is the true Israel, we just read that he's the second Adam. Jesus, who's expressed the image of God, by whom, through whom, all things are created, right? So you see, in our own flesh, in our own power, in our own strength, we are no match for the devil. We are no match for the devil in the wilderness. But Jesus, <laughs> but Jesus, get ready to shout. Jesus showed up in the wilderness, I want to say, for the unfinished business, all right? On behalf of anyone who will believe and will call upon his name in a day of trouble. So here we have, after 40 days of fasting, Jesus had to pay a visit to the devil, right, in the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights. This, is, this numbers are so specific. And number, if you look at the history of that, 40 is a number of a completion. There's so much more depth to that. So Jesus comes to visit the enemy that was tormenting you, right? Even though he might be bigger than you, <laughs> you got a big brother and a high priest, right, who knows your weakness, who knows my weakness. And you have that. You have, you don't have, you're not alone, amen? You have that big brother, that's what the scripture tells us, a big bro brother in Christ. He's the high priest, amen? So how do you tempt the Son of God? Devil hits him with three temptations. It really boils down to three, the categories. First uh, John 2.16. All right? Spoiler alert, the devil's not creative. For everything in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and the pride of life comes not from Father, but from the world. So it technically boils down to three. Whether you're 16 or 61, lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, pride of life. I was questioning literally this morning. I was like, Lord, this seems like a message for a youth group mainly, right? But... I sense the Holy Spirit said, you know, if someone heard the sermon at 16, maybe they wouldn't be struggling with certain things at 61. That's why I said, Lord, I wish, you know, I had the revelation at an early age to understand that, right? So, devil catches Jesus hungry in verse 2. <laughs> yeah. Wow, that's right. So, devil catches Jesus hungry in verse 2, okay? And this next passage I nominate this for the most obvious verse in the Bible. And after fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and the tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. Right. Devil always knows when you're hungry. Oh. If you only come to church once in a while... You know, only when it's convenient. You're going to be too hungry. You're going to be too weak to withstand the temptation. It's just the obvious truth, right? What happens when you're hungry? You're susceptible, right? You begin eating junk. Any of you done that? 
my go-to, yeah, blue Dorito chips. Everybody knows that. <laughs> Don't give that to me <laughs> as a gift. Um, <laughs> I've, I have changed. <laughs> I tried. But what you do is you, you turn, when you're hungry, you're just weak, right? right. You, turn, you try turning stones into bread. You love off people's compliments where only God's validation is all you need, amen? That's the lust of flesh. Then the verse 5 and 6, devil says, hey, if you won't turn stones into bread, then why don't you do this in, in the verse 6? Uh, and he said to him, if you are the son of God, throw yourself down. It's kind of like, prove you're the son of God. Show that you're a real man, right? Just kind of like, prove that, prove your intelligence. Prove, prove, prove everybody how smart you are, right? That's the pride of life. I'm just giving an example, but Jesus has been tempted. Then, uh, there comes, then comes the lust of the eye in verse 8 and 9. Uh, Matthew chapter 4, verse 8 and 9. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. So devil showed him what looked like an opportunity, right? If you do this, Jesus, you don't even have to go to the cross. You see, just like God offers a way of escape, devil will always offer a way of escape for you. He will always come in and give you an option, right? But that way of escape is just another set of chains. Just be on guard of that, right? Now, verse 10, Matthew 4.10. Then Jesus said to him, Be gone, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. See? Hallelujah. So we got Jesus in the wilderness. 40 days, 40 nights. And again, I say, why 40, right? 40 is the amount of years that nation of Israel spent in the wilderness, right? So Jesus is pretty much saying, what I'm going to do in 40 days, what you couldn't do in 40 years, right? So no temptation has overtaken you, right? No temptation has overtaken you. The same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you. Do you believe that? Do you believe that? Come on, somebody. Do you believe that the same spirit that rose Christ from the dead lives in you and gives you ability to overcome anything that can come your way? Hallelujah. No temptation has overtaken you, church. Amen? Hallelujah. And the only way Jesus made it through the wilderness, I want to point this out in my closing statements, the only way that Jesus made it in chapter 4, right, through the wilderness, because what happened in Matthew 3, where it says Jesus went down to the Jordan River. I'm not going to read that. You can open it up later if you want. He went there to get baptized. Uh, and baptism wasn't just an external expression of obedience, right? It was so that the Spirit of God and His affirmation... Remember when it said the dove came on him? It says, this is my son in whom I'm well pleased, right? So that's because why the baptism happened. It's the affirmation because the following chapter, Jesus is in the wilderness. So you got to know where to go, right? You need to come to the living waters. You need to come to the well of the Holy Spirit. When his spirit rests on you, no temptation. If you abide in him, there's no temptation that will overtake you, amen? Yeah. Otherwise, you'll just escape to things that will just enslave you, right? Yeah. God already has made a way 
for you, for me. Amen? It will not always be obvious. Let me just say that. <laughs> Red Sea didn't look like a four-way highway, four-lane highway, right? It more looked like a death trap if you think about it. But that can happen. So temptation, situation, anything, right? But again, on your own, you're going to be overthrown. And if you've been alone in your wilderness, well, that's your answer. You've been alone, right? That's the problem. You've got to go down to the waters. You've got to be filled with his presence. Amen? Yeah. Let's stand for our, to our feet. This is, a, I want to say, ministry moment, I think, for everybody who needs water for their soul. And we just read that. He's our spiritual rock in the desert, right? The rock that we stand on today, it is Christ. That him. You were, Pastor Peter, he just left, but he was singing hymns. And I, one of the hymns I immediately think of is just, On Christ the solid rock I stand. All other ground is sinking sand, right? Everything will pass away, but he who does the will of God says lives forever, amen? But it's not through our effort. I want to point that out, guys. We can try all we want. We can try behavior modification. Guess what? If that worked, it would have worked by now, right? If you could be free, you'd be free by now in your own strength. But we can't. It's only through Christ, amen. You need that water. You need His Spirit. And when His Spirit of God rests on you, when He rests on you, no weapon against you will prosper. And that is your way of escape. Thank you for joining us today. Please make sure to subscribe to our podcast. If you'd like more information about our church, please visit our website, whitefieldsalaska.com. Thanks again for listening, and may God bless you today.